What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, December 17th, 2019. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. Natalie is still on maternity leave and we have a quick update. But first, let me introduce another one of my friends keeping me company this week. You've seen him at SureDog and MMA on Point. He is one of the most clever members of the MMA media circle, Mr. Anthony Walker. Anthony, how are you, man? I'm pretty good, man. Thanks for that that very shining introduction. I don't want to disappoint anybody, so I have to be at my clever best. But but Gabe, Gabriel, sorry, I know you hate being called Gabe. Gabriel, <laughs> it's, it's, it's always great talking to you, man. Happy to, to, to be on the show with you. No, well, fans who do not follow you on Twitter, they definitely need to. I think that, um, what's the quickest way to say it? You are the guy who knows how to say it like it is perfectly each time on Twitter. Whether it's oh, talking about you. Henry Cejudo's um, uh, assistance in his latest video for Jose Aldo, whether it's just being very clever, you are a very fun follow. Um, I've worked with you. I've sat next to you at a ton of events. I don't think a lot of people may realize this, but you've literally been my next door neighbor for some history, whether we're at Bellator or Golden Boy MMA. So you're one of my favorite guys on the circuit, and I'm very proud to call you a co-worker out there. But Anthony, before we get into all of your brilliance and knowledge, I have a special announcement. As you guys have been listening for the past several months, We've been on Baby Watch here at MMA Daily, and I have the special announcement today. Coming out of the red corner yesterday, weighing 8 pounds, 3 ounces, Natalie Zamudio has given birth to Baby Joe. Mom is doing well. Baby is doing well. So ladies and gentlemen, he is here. We have a brand new member of the MMA Daily family. Natalie, I know you're listening. Congratulations, my friend. I know I spoke to you. I'm just so happy for you and just really blessings all around. Anthony, I know you're in a similar predicament. What are your thoughts when you think about, you know, it could happen any minute? Oh, man, it it is a, a scary feeling. I'm on pins and needles every second of the day. I'm terrified of everything. I'm completely nervous. Um, it is, it is nerve wracking, but I know at the end it's going to be very rewarding. So uh, definitely congratulations to, to you, to your, your co-hosts and, um, yeah, got a lot of, a lot of babies, uh, popping up on the MMA media scene. So, uh, we, we got some, some future champions that we got to raise now. You know, I was saying, I, I keep joking with her. Her baby is already going to be so smart. I mean, you know, we've been doing the show every week for pretty much her whole pregnancy. So He's going to come out, you know, with a great knowledge of 2019 MMA, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. You got to have the, the, the knowledge, man. So it's going to be like nursery school books that, that are going to show the story of UFC 245. <laughs> it's going to be like it's going to be like the children's version of the baggage Jaw book. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time in, in the Walker household. I know in, in the MMA daily family, it's going to be a beautiful thing, too. Uh, well, hey, bro, thank you. And once again, Natalie, we can't wait to have you back. You take care of what you got to do, mama. And we'll, you know, I'll be taking care of the show and your seat's just waiting for you whenever you're ready. But Anthony, we had a lot going on. Let's be honest, we could do like a whole Ariel Helwani five-hour special with UFC 245. There are just so many angles to go over, so many fights, a lot of movement, a lot of 
implications for the future, especially as you break down the calendar year in 2020. So obviously, we're going to start with UFC 245, the quote-unquote year-end event for the UFC. Obviously, they still got one more this Saturday, but we'll get into that later. Uh, first off, Anthony, I'm going to toss it to you. The grudge match, Kamaru versus Colby. It did not play out the way we expected, and nobody is mad about it. What were your thoughts on the fight? I, I can't um, say it any better than you just did. It was not what we expected at all, but man, it was a beautiful thing. It was such a good fight. Both guys really, and, and this is regardless of any sort of bias that I may have about the, the winner and loser of, of this fight, but that was an excellent fight just from an X's and O's standpoint, just from the, the standpoint of anybody who watches mixed martial arts to see good, entertaining fights. That was incredible. Those guys put on a very good candidate for fight of the year. I'm still going to side with uh, Adesanya versus Gaslam, but man, they were very, very close. And if you factor in the storyline along with the action of the fight, if you said that was fight of the year, I'm not mad at you one bit. That was incredible. No, I'm with you. Lived up to the hype, lived up to the anticipation, the talk on both sides. You know, obviously this fight, everyone's had it, you know, penciled in since, you know, Colby showed up in March when Kamaru won the title. And yeah, I mean, really just, um, like you said, the storyline going into it, uh, for both men, a lot of heart, both, the, both guys landed good shots, both men had their moments, but ultimately Kamaru Usman gets the job done late in the fifth. I gotta say, I really thought, you know, especially as we're getting down the stretch, this one's gonna go to decision, it's gonna be like Izzy and Kelvin, you know, Colby just, you know, survives to that final buzzer. But he just would not be denied. And um, very bluntly, you know, when you got a guy who just, you know, after all that, and they just go cold and they just go out there the fifth round and they just handle it. I mean, not fight, not compete. They just go out there and they just handle it. That was just gangster. That was just a f fantastic performance that I think really elevated Kamaru in a way that I don't think a lot of people expected. So very impressive. For Colby, by now, people have an opinion on the way he got himself the title fight, this opportunity, and everything else. I want to commend his heart. He went out there, he, he stood his ground, and he returned fire, and he took the beating. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think the reaction speaks for itself on Colby Covington. And I think that at the end of the day, Kamaru, you take the ultimate bragging rights at the end of this fight, and I think that's the biggest way you can just sum up the, the aftermath. Did you have any thoughts on it? I abso absolutely, man. Like, it's, it's really, I, I'm, I'm kind of confused by a lot of the backlash to the, um, the reactions to Colby losing. This is the game he volunteered to play. You know, and, and regardless of whatever uh, backstory there could be about him potentially being cut and him creating this character and whatnot, he very deliberately played with lines of um, uh, in, that are very touchy right now, uh, lines of race and culture and politics, uh, societal issues that he decided he was going to toy with to get a reaction. This was the game he played, and it worked out very well for him in the, fa in the, in the, the, the re response of just him, the attention he was getting, the, the, the traffic that his name does on websites and social media 
uh, the 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 extra money in his <laughs> in his bank account as as a result. But the flip side of that coin is when you lose, especially getting finished uh, by someone who on that that's those same political lines that you play with is the exact polar opposite. Expect the backlash. That's what you signed up for. So you just got to go ahead and take that L. Like you know, you just gonna get the work. That's all it is to it. No, I'm completely with you, and I'm glad you brought it up because let's be honest, he, we know why he said these things. You know, get more attention, get more title fights in a sport of MMA where it is so hard to break through. And yeah, he did put more money in his pocket, but you know, quite figured. You know, literally, he made his bed. Now you kind of got to lie in it when you take a loss and you get you know knocked out. You get finished like that. So you know, look it, once again. You know, just goes back to it. Do I expect a different Colby? I'm not going to rule it out, you know, because as much as he said, do I believe he is an evil man that he would want the fans to believe who made him the heel? I doubt that. But then again, it's anyone's guess exactly how he chooses to pay, you know, to play it going forward. I do think there's a lot of fights and a lot of competition out there still left for him. I think people still want to see him, even if it's just, you know, now that he's going to be in that villain role, people are going to still want to see him to, you know, lose against a guy who's not Kamaru or a Tyrant or one of, these, one of these guys. I do think we'll see that, but it's interesting how is Colby going to play it forward. And, you know, I'm sure we'll find out. The irony is not lost on anybody that he broke his jaw and he's known for talking. So all of that, you know, will remain to be seen. Um, I want to toss it to the other side. Obviously, Kamaru Usman reigned supreme at the end of UFC 245. But man, everybody now just kind of sees it. You know, Jorge Masvidal has been saying Conor McGregor. Kamaru's trying to throw out George St. Pierre. In my opinion, it's time for the undisputed champ to try to go after the BMF title and reign supreme there. What do you think about this? Well, I, I think the Macedon fight would be the, the sexier option. That would be the fight that's going to put the most money in his, in his bank account that we can realistically expect. I don't think GSP is going is to get up off the couch and decide that he wants to come back to fight Kamaru Usman. Um, I, I don't see a Nick Diaz returning to try to fight Kamaru Usman. I don't see any of those scenarios. Um, but now I'm starting to doubt whether or not we're going to see Masvidal step up to that challenge <clears throat> and not because he's afraid of it or anything like that. But if we're talking about sexy fights, we're talking about marquee matchups that just draw in a lot of money. Conor McGregor is fighting at welterweight in, in a month. Yep. Y you know, the winner of that, which this is something the seeds have already been planted by Dana White, by Conor McGregor, by Jorge Masvidal, by anyone within their their realm they are teasing this fight this potential of mcgregor challenging for this bmf title that makes a lot more money uh than Masvidal versus usman and and as much as i'd like to see that fight from a, a sports standpoint i think the business side is going to outweigh that but I, I shouldn't even say that's the fight that we should see from the sporting side because leon edwards is still out there in fact usman seem to be more willing to fight Leon Edwards based on his winning streak uh, as opposed to Masvidal, who has the bigger name right now. I think that had Covington won, Covington versus Masvidal was the fight to make for, for Jorge. It knocks out several stones in one move. Uh, but now with Usman, 
uh, it, still still having the belt. I, I don't know if that's as appealing as fighting Conor McGregor for some really big payday. You know what? Uh, I want to throw one more wrench in there. I did feel like Kamaru pushed Leon Edwards because Jorge had kind of thrown shade at him saying, I'm not interested in the winner Kamaru Colby for blah, blah, blah. I think that he was just trying to like, you know what? Well, now I'm going to turn it back on you and say, I don't think you're that relevant or that important. We both know they're a great, you know, it's a matchup that sells itself, you know, for bragging rights once again with Jorge and Kamaru. Um, But then again, I am with you there. Jorge has to see the potential of a Conor McGregor payday and be very interested in it. I think it comes down to timing. It definitely comes down to uh, winning in terms of Conor McGregor. You have to first get past Cowboy, which at 170 is a much bigger challenge, in my opinion, than 155. So that's not a given. And then you have Dana White throwing, you know, the specter of the Habib rematch if, you know, Habib beats Tony and Conor and this and that, which obviously makes the fact that the Cowboy Conor fight at 170, that just gets now more confusing. Um, I think that they are honestly going to just pick who's available when we get to January 19th. But then again, you know, anything can happen with injuries and everything else. You don't know about, you know, if it's Habib, will he fight Justin Gaethje after, et cetera, et cetera. There are all of these factors that you have to take into account when you just, you know, when you talk about Conor McGregor and you talk about guys who want the money fight and what's going to do business. Because ultimately, ultimately, that's what UFC goes for. Um, but yeah. And, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Because I'm think I I think you're absolutely right. It's just that they're in this position now where there are a lot of money fights out there. There are a lot of big fights that that are out on the table, and and they're probably just going to boil down to exactly what you said: who's available, who's who's not injured, um, who's who's willing to fight, and um, who they can have the easiest time with at the, at the negotiating table, as opposed to just waiting for this fight or just waiting for that fight. There's so many names between Masvidal, uh, Habib, Connor, Cowboy. I mean, you, you just got this toss up of very interesting names that a lot of people uh, want to see. So I, I think, I think 2020 is going to be fantastic for the UFC just because they have just by accident, even they kind of have all these chess pieces lined up and it's checkmate either way. No, I'm completely with you. I will leave it at this one because we got a lot of fights. For my money, the Kamaru Masvidal fight is going to happen. Connor's going to beat Cowboy. He's going to wait for Tony and uh, Habib to play out. And we'll see, you know, where we at with the calendar year. But for my money, I think that's what's going to happen. Because I think that if you're Connor, either way, you got a money fight. If you're Jorge, either way, you got a a money fight. Let's just move it along with some good matchups until then, plain and simple. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds like a good enough plan, man. I'm with it. Yeah. Now, there was a lot more going on. The end of Max Holloway as featherweight champion, at least for now, is over. Alexander Volkanovsky pulls off the upset, takes the unanimous decision. Um, Anthony, for this one, the fight that it, it reminded me a lot of, and you brought it up earlier, was Kelvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya. You know you have a just uber-talented guy in Max Holloway, but Volkanovski, the shot selection, worked the leg kicks, used his power, threatened at the right moments. You had a very game, just what you expected from Max Holloway to stand in there and battle for his belt like a champion. 
But ultimately, and obviously the difference between the fight in April, was that Volkanovski was not going to be denied. He, kept, he just kept up with the pace of Max Holloway. He responded when Max tried to rally. And ultimately, he just got all of the right uh, shots in. He was more active, and he took the unanimous decision pretty handily in my book. What about you? Yeah, I, I don't really see why there was any sort of controversy. I get from Max Holloway's side why he felt like he was doing more. Um, because a fighter in the moment is not seeing what what's actually is happening. Um, it seemed like a very clear cut decision for Alexander Vol- uh, Volkanovsky. I-, I think the main issue was the leg kicks doing so much to disrupt uh, Holloway's rhythm. And Holloway is very much a rhythm fighter. He's a guy who kind of has to get in there and feel what you can do. Sometimes even take um, s- some hard shots before he kind of wakes up and comes alive and, and-, and enters his flow state. So when he didn't, he, he just felt like it seemed like he just couldn't get into that flow state where he has to move around a lot. and He has to kind of get into get into that rhythm um, with those those leg kicks like his mobility was greatly affected. You know, he does switch stances a lot in general, but they're not forced switch stances. And he spent a, a considerable amount of time in the opposite stance because that leg was so beat up. Um, I, I think when you have. Um, a rhythm fighter whose rhythm is based on movement who and, and, and is based on this this momentum uh, building up and, and, and kind of overwhelming their guy over time. You take that foundation <laughs> away and it's not a whole lot uh, that can be done. And, and Holloway has never really been the guy to necessarily adjust to what you were doing. He just always found a way to overwhelm you with what he does. No, for sure. He's a guy who kind of just keeps pushing forward. And because he's so talented, especially with his movement and his boxing, his cardio, it tends to be able to outlast a lot of this tough competition that he's faced over the years. Um, And, you know, mind you, full credit to Volkanovsky. They clearly did the work. I think that Eugene Behrman has made, you know, I see, you know, the double champ coach, Eric Albaracin, that man woke up in a cold sweat. All this hard work that he did and suddenly this guy from Australia might be about to take the crown that he thought he had locked in with two double champs <laughs> and a Paulo Costa and spare change. So I think that that's, um, that's credit to the team. That's credit to the work. That's credit to all of the stuff that obviously goes into it. And um, look, I like it. I think that you can't overlook the fact that Volkanovski in 12 months has a victory over Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, and Max Holloway. That's been a fantastic campaign, and um, uh, a media rematch is just kind of a no-brainer, I think. Unless one of these guys is hurt somehow, I don't see them having an issue making that happen. What about you? Um, you know what? I, I would like to see this be an immediate rematch for Holloway, but not for Volkanovski. I think Holloway would be better served to take some time off. 2019 has been really rough on him. Um, he, he's taken a lot of damage this year. It might be better for him to just sit down, chill out, regroup. Um, I, I would say come back uh, sometime late 2020, ready to uh, be the co-headliner in a double title fight in Australia against uh, Volkanovski. Now, Volkanovski, I think he maybe should set his sights on either Zabit Magomed Sharapov or the winner of Frankie Edgar versus Korean Zombie. That that seems to be a, a better thing for him because he took virtually no damage. He's He's um, I mean, he's run through um, several fighters recently. I, I think it'd be good for him to stay active, 
Uh, keep that momentum going, but let Holloway recuperate. And for him, it'll be an immediate title fight. Um, but Volkanovski can kind of bask in that title reign before having to revisit the, the blessed era. Got you. Um, you know what? I, looking into the crystal ball, that's the weird thing because Australia, they'll have big cards. They don't always typically have a pay-per-view. You know, it's, they've kind of followed a pattern. SoCal in August, Vegas in July, Chicago in June, New York in November. There isn't like a scheduled Australia-New Zealand mega pay-per-view usually on the UFC calendar. So when people talk about, you know, oh, they want to do the fight in Australia, I'm not sure that'll exactly happen. Just because of scheduling and timing and all of these other factors, I do think it's more likely that Volkanovski fights, you know, you, you threw him out there, the winner of Edgar and the zombie, particularly if the zombie wins. I know Edgar is talking about 135, which we'll talk about at the end of the show, but the zombie has been kind of the guy I've, I've seen to make the jump. I just think that Zabit needs to fight Yair. I think they both need each other, you know, Yair and Zabit, to make that elevation to the title picture. Off the strength of their last two fights, I just don't think they're there yet that you could say, yeah, I want to see this person fight for the title, pay for the pay-per-view, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, 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 get, I, I dig that. Um, I mean, we've been trying to match up Zabit and Yari Rodriguez for quite some time, and, and who am I to deny fate? It, it seems like those two just, just have a date uh, somewhere. We just don't know when exactly it's going to happen. Um, I, I, I can't I can't be mad at that, particularly Korean Zombie uh, getting a getting a title shot. Should he beat Frankie Edgar? I mean, Edgar, I know the UFC is always so eager to throw Frankie into a title fight that it seems like if he were to pull off the, the win over Zombie, it seems like that's the direction they'll go in because that's the direction they always go in when Frankie <laughs> Edgar gets a win. But but for Zombie, for him to be able to. Um, have a, a gutsy performance against Jose Aldo. I want to. What was that? UFC one forty six or something like that. Yep. Um. Yeah. For for him to have that performance at that time, you know, and and out outperform what a lot of people thought he could do, uh, particularly later in that fight before suffering the injury, and then to have more series of injuries and his mandatory military service derail his career, uh, for for that amount of time, and him to come back and. And be in these, who have great finishes and uh, that incredible fight against Yair, it just seems like that would be a great test for Volkanovski. And it's something that, that could get butts in seats. But now, as far as what you're saying about Australia not being a typical destination for the UFC, I, I, I think that is, that's historically been true, but there's never been a time where they had two champions from the Oceanic region that, that fight out of the same gym. Um, and, and they had the momentum of a uh, um, Israel Adesanya Robert Whitaker fight, uh, along with Dan Hooker uh, being being on, on the main card as well. Like you, you had that that energy already, so they know it's there. They know it's something they can tap into. And as um, as set in stone as a lot of the UFC schedule is, it's only set set in stone because they're a very stubborn organization. But the one thing that they're not stubborn about. Um, is they're, they're, they're flexible when it comes to getting that money. So yep. they'll be very flexible on the date. They'll chase the money, <laughs> and you can fill up a stadium in Australia or New Zealand. No, I'm with it. So let me ask you, do you think that... So 
Volkanovski takes a fight, let's say in the spring. Do you think that they'll try to double book Adesanya and Volkanovski for a stadium show like third quarter 2020? You think that would be their plan if they could do it? Yeah, I, I think that'll be their plan. Like, um, because Adesanya is a guy who remains very, very active. Like he he is he is extraordinarily active, and I think he's shown himself reliable in that <laughs> sense that you can um you can put him on the schedule. And look a little bit toward the future uh, about potential future bookings with him. Volkanovski isn't as active as Adesanya, but he's been active enough and he's reliable enough. And, and to my knowledge, right off the top of my head, I can't think of any time he's pulled out of a fight. So you can go ahead and pencil that in. But like we said, those those plans can be flexible depending on the money. Remember that that uh the uh, Whitaker Adesanya card that was rumored to be taking place in Vegas. Um, they kind of made that last minute that that was going to be in Australia. So there is a, a certain level of of uh, breathing room they have with, with these bookings. And I, and I think this will be a time to exercise some of that breathing room. If you can line it up schedule wise to have uh, Adesanya and Volkanovski defending their titles at the same time. No, I'm with you. I think it's just going to come down to timing because... <clears throat> I'll be honest, I'm surprised they haven't announced something for Adesanya yet. I wouldn't be surprised now that we're at this point, if they're waiting for, you know, during the Connor Cowboy card to make some big announcement and all that. He's been a lot of places. You keep seeing him at a lot of events, but, um, yeah, whether, and mind you, who is he going to fight? That's obviously still a question floating around out there, but I do think that they are going to, um, they're going to announce it in January. But they're gonna. It's gonna be a quick turnaround. Like he knows he's fighting. They just haven't put up the poster and all that. But um, I think it depends on that if they're gonna try to keep Adesanya and Volkanovski together because it comes down to the scheduling of two champions who now both have an agenda. Both guys have big fights that they need to get into. Um, let's move on. This one's you know not as much. I don't think it surprised as many people um, in terms of the way it played out. Amanda Nunes versus Jermaine Durandamy. Jermaine was as tough as I expected. I expected her to be able to out kickbox Amanda if they stayed on the feet. But I'll be honest, I think that after getting used to seeing Amanda stand with so many people, I'm actually kind of surprised that for the bragging rights, she didn't try to stand with Jermaine as much as she did. She chooses to wrestle, grapple, there were a few scares, but ultimately that decision was never in doubt. Amanda Nunes retains the title. Um, Anthony, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I'm with you 110% on that. I thought that, what, like I'll say, when, when I was handicapping this fight, I, I guessed it on the, the, uh, the Sherdog Roundtable uh, for, for 245, and I did a um, sort of like a, a, a separate roundtable with uh, Matt Hunter of Mixed Combat Radio about 245 and, and like everybody was talking primarily about a stand-up battle between those two because we haven't seen Amanda Nunes really grapple a whole lot lately. It, you know, she's, she's knocked out better strikers. Um, she, you know, she, she won a, a couple of point fights against uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, she knocks out Holly Holm with a head kick and she, gives the overhand right from hell to, to send Cyborg uh, away. So we forgot that she's a jiu-jitsu black belt. We forgot that she's somebody who won the first fight against GDR on the ground. So um, I, I guess we shouldn't have been surprised, but like you said, bragging rights, man. Like it seemed like 
you could stand up against uh, Amanda Nunes, be the better striker, but it just doesn't matter because she hits that hard. And and that's kind of what I was anticipating. But uh, she definitely did the wise thing and get that fight to the floor the moment she felt that GDR was getting the better of her in the striking exchanges. And there was a, a pretty scary moment for her. I think it was in the second round where she got, it was a sequence where she, she took a head kick and then got kneed in the head and it, where, where it was like, ah, that you don't want to take too many of those. So she did the right thing, got it to the ground and dominated on the floor. Yeah. Um, I think the thing for me, what makes it perplexing in the, in those fights you mentioned, she could grapple. It just seemed like she didn't want to. And which is yeah. like, why wouldn't you want to grapple Shevchenko? Or a cyborg, or a Holly, you know, you certainly, you know, that wouldn't have been ill-advised, you know what I mean? So, um, but look, maybe she felt like the power and the speed was there for her, whereas maybe she felt like Jermaine is a little bit cleaner, a little bit quicker. Who knows? Only she can answer that for sure. But I think it was just, it always seems to be a decision thing. It's not that, you know, she doesn't feel like she could grapple. It, feel, it seems like she always made the conscious decision I want to bang with these, you know, these other women. Um, but look, like you said, very smart decision. Clearly it played out, you know, in her favor. She really controlled that one for, the, you know, 99.5% of the fight. You know, very clear cut. Uh, Anthony, we're going to use this to kind of switch to a transition because what's next for Amanda? At Bantamweight, someone stood out, but then, you know, I want to go on the record saying... I think that one kind of completes her sweep of the division. Yes, Aspen Ladd is out there. Yes, we now see Irene Aldana out there. And Megan Anderson um, just announced a fight. She's floating around at 145. But I think everyone will be honest. The, quote, big threat, the big, uh, you know, target next just isn't there. She's officially, you know, she's won the video game. Now she's just kind of roaming around after the fact. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Like she, she's conquered Koopa's castle at this point. <laughs> I, I don't really think there's, there's anything left for her necessarily. The one thing I would like to see is, and this is more so just a cherry on top of her legacy, because she's already the greatest of all time, if you ask me. Um, but if you can have her fight at 145 just to defend that belt, so that way she will be the only double champ in history to defend both belts. Just get that one that one little statistic that seemed to be too elusive for Conor McGregor, Daniel Cormier, uh, and whoever else you can you can think of that that has earned two different belts. Um, yeah, I think even BJ Penn never did it. I don't think Randy Couture uh, defended either, if if I'm recalling things correctly. I think that um, they. they... Like, Daniel Cormier defended the heavyweight title, but at that point, we all knew he was going to be stripped for John Jones at 205. So it felt... You've exactly. never, they've never held both belts and defended both belts. They've been able to defend both titles, but not when they held them both at the same time. That's what you Exa mean. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I picked a very, very screwed up and muddled way to say that, uh, thus disproving your theory that I'm a very <laughs> clever man. But still, we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll cut out this part. Oh, yeah, yeah. Editing <laughs> is a beautiful thing. The people don't need to know about that. Exactly. <laughs> so. no, but, but no, no, I, I hear you. Yes, that I, I am with you there. I think that, you know, it's Megan Anderson's world, to be honest. I think that Felicia Spencer is going to need another big opponent. Um, 
I mean, Megan Anderson is the one who kind of makes sense, right? Because Felicia needs to rebuild after the loss to Chris. Megan's coming off the win. It makes sense, right? It, it kind of makes sense. It's just that, I mean, it only makes sense out of default. There's just like, there's no yeah. one there at 145. But as far as just getting this cherry on top of Amanda Nunes' legacy, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, throw a, a Megan Anderson fight. I, I can't remember the young lady she's she's booked uh, against. Dumont? Something yes, like yes, that. Dumont. Yeah. So, yeah, so the winner of that, whatever. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, or Felicia Spencer coming off of a loss. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Just let her defend that 145-pound belt. That's the last accomplishment for her to achieve. And then right off into the sunset, I, I do like the fact that she shut down any any foolish talk of Clarissa Shields um, by, boxing her. But also, kind of strangely, that's probably the most attractive fight for her. <laughs> you know, uh, as ridiculous as it may sound, and it pains me to say that because I can't stand a lot of these boxing and MMA crossover attempts. Um, hey, you you can't be against people trying to make money, Anthony. You know? Exactly. <laughs> like that's that's uh, yeah. I'm I'm not against them trying to make money, but yeah. it's it just. From from a competition standpoint, it's just a ludicrous argument that I'm I'm so surprised that we're still having. It's just that what's left for Amanda Nunes at this point? No, you, you know, I, yeah. I I think I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if she decided to hang hang up the gloves and just move on with her life. I would like to see her defend the 145 pound belt before doing that. I know her and Nina Ansaroff have been um, very open about wanting to start a family. And that, of course, is going to take time and, and attention away from a fight career. Um, and Nunes, is, she's done it all, man. It's I don't think even if her uh, the possibility of her just sticking around and just beating up people, I don't think that that moves her. I'd, I'd be very surprised if that was enough to keep her active. Yeah, I, I personally think that um, when you think about it, this has been a three fights in 12 months year, you know, for Amanda. I wouldn't be surprised to see her take time off. Um, like you said, if Megan beats uh, Dumont, um, that fight's there at 145. I can see Ketlin Vieira fighting Aspen Ladd, and maybe you try to make some at 135. Um, Valentina Shevchenko beats Chukagian. Do you want to see it a third time? Can Amanda make 125? That's another story. I'm going to say quickly, I don't see that happening for Amanda unless she really, I mean... I mean, I guess if you want to do it, but kind of like seeing Jose Aldo do 135, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that in a second. I just don't see it being sustainable. And I feel like that leads to more problems rather than just another super fight. But I think that at the end of the day, she's going to take time off. We're going to see where the dominoes fall. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see her until late next year. She's had a busy year. She conquered the mountain. Um, You know, why rush it? you know, just to stay active, you know, just, you know, let the, let the fight come to you now. You've officially won the game, plain and simple. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you at all on that. Uh, it's just, it, 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 she at least should take a break. No, for sure. And, um, you know, and she's earned it. I mean, she's, she's fought the biggest names, uh, no problem. She's taken, I think, adequate time between them to prepare and rest. And I think she's going about it right is what I'm trying to say. Um, right. So let's get our thoughts in um, real quick, just so we could go to the other, you know, juicier stuff. Irene Aldana knocks out Ketlin Vieira. I mean, let me ask you, Aspen Ladd, or do you think that she doesn't have to fight her if she were looking for a title shot now? 
Um, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get too jazzed up off of off of a, a singular knockout win. I, I, I think Aspen Ladd. Um, I would probably give Aspen Ladd the shot. She seems like the more developed fighter to me. Um, I, 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 I don't know, man. It's just maybe you know, kind of tying things in with the Amanda Nunes talk. Maybe it is better for Bantamweight if Nunes were to disappear from the division for a little bit and let this sort of play out because we don't have a clear cut contender despite um, both of them putting on good performances recently. I, I I'm I'm unsure, um, but I will say, man, um, Aldana had a hell of a knockout the other night. No, definitely. It was one of those, you don't see them that often in the women's divisions, you know, you get that full stop, you know, you kind of get a TKO that looked pretty, you know, pretty good, but a full stop tends to be a little more rare, and she got that one. Um, Yeah, I mean, for my money, put Aspen and Irene together, and um, that makes sense. Both of them will come off looking good for Amanda or whatever happens at 135, and, you know, with scheduling... They got enough time to prep. There's no rush. Make it happen in a card that makes sense. Um, let's move on. Uh, Jose Aldo's Bantamweight experiment. Anthony, I have a lot of thoughts. Like I think a lot yes. of us do. Um, when I watched it live, I had it for Jose. When I rewatched it, man, I, could, I summarized by just a little bit, like a little bit ahead taking that decision. I get why people are mad, for sure. Um, I think, though, let me, before we talk about the decision, Aldo at Bantamweight, keep him there or forget about it? Man, I, I'm, I'm so conflicted on this one. I was screaming from a mountaintop how this was a travesty that Aldo would try to make Bantamweight. And for the record, I still think it's a dumbass idea. That it was it was a stupid idea to even think of in the first place, considering the trouble he had on the scale at 145 and how long he's been talking about fighting at 155. Not to mention the 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 level of of marquee names that we'd like to see him matched up against at lightweight. But he actually looked pretty damn good. Now, I from what I understand, it's like he he had a nutritionist for the first time ever, which is nuts to think that this man. The, the greatest featherweight of all time, like dominated the WEC, dominated the, the UFC's featherweight division for what, over 10 years or something like that. And, and this guy, this, this guy didn't even have a nutritionist. Like he was, what was he eating Burger King every night or something? I, I don't know. But yeah, he, he does own a burger joint in Brazil. And okay, people, well, people have told me it's bomb too. <laughs> oh, all right. So I guess that explains a lot. I guess that's like, I guess more successful version of Johnny Hendricks steakhouse. And um, when you know what's going in the burgers, you have that confidence, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, no, no kombuterol in in Brazil. Apparently, I don't know, but <laughs> man, um, I I really don't know what to think about it because the scariest thing to me was Aldo actually being successful, whether it was a win or a good showing, like we saw Saturday, and him deciding, hey, let me make bantamweight again, because that man looked like death, even if he looked better uh, than we expected. He still looked like death, you know, going into that fight. I, I don't know if I want to see that again, man, even if he did have a good showing. 
you know what to me um and there there are a few things that are just bigger jose aldo like uh for example i watched that fight and you know this kind of stood out more because you just saw volkanovsky with all the kicks where were his leg kicks I mean, there were so many times where I feel like, bro, it's right there. That could really change it up right about now on Moraes. Don't get me wrong. Aldo's boxing is beautiful. It's probably some of the best you're ever going to see in the featherweight division. Um, but, man, you just... I, I felt like the reason it was even close was because he didn't have that little extra weapon, that little bit of extra output. And, um, look, I mean, there's a lot of speculation, the style matchups... Um, he broke his foot in a motorcycle accident years ago and people feel like, you know, he just hasn't been the same or had the confidence to throw him because of that. Whatever it is, I will say that I feel like Jose Aldo did not have the kind of explosiveness that he had at featherweight, which is expected. But I also feel like that extra factor is exactly what would have made him a threat to the Marlon Moraes, the Henry Cejudo's, the... Peter Yawns of the division. And I feel like he just didn't have it. Now, does, did he look bad? No. He is going and he's enjoying his burger right now saying, I told all of y'all. Y'all just didn't believe me that I was doing this right. As <laughs> he should. Xbox suck it right now. <laughs> As he should. But at the same time, I, you know, and even uh, I know that he was looking out for his teammate, but, you know, even Pitbull said it and I'm like, I don't know if I see... Saturday's Jose Aldo beating Henry Cejudo, which was kind of the whole point of Bantamweight, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, man, I, I, I still am, am, am just kind of all over the place with this because I, I definitely want to talk about the explosiveness that he, he definitely did seem to miss that. But I think that's the result of losing so much muscle mass. Uh, you know, you don't have the, the fast twitch muscles to go ahead and, and, and explode out as as violently as you would before. But what was left was, was something that we tend to forget about sometimes with Aldo when we're talking about how great of an athlete he is and how dangerous of a of a fighter and he's such a one-shot kill artist and all that. He is very, very, very sound technically. He is very skilled. He's probably I mean, one of the most potent offensive fighters of all time. It's, it's remarkable to watch. So even without that sensational level of power or, or even the same level of, of just, uh, just outburst of power. It's, it's like, it's like, he's still pretty damn nice. Uh, but, but I definitely did notice that he had not been, he wasn't throwing any leg kicks in this fight. Now, I think that goes back one to that motorcycle accident and two, um, to the fight against Korean zombie when he broke his foot there and he was able to win the fight with with uh, offensive wrestling and, and and boxing primarily, and since then we really haven't seen him toss out a lot of leg kicks. I think I, I think that motorcycle ac accident um, damaged him or mentally damaged him a lot more than 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 we realize that he's just because he, you saw he started tightening up his boxing a whole lot after that. Like I, I want, I'm thinking back to like the Frankie Edgar rematch where he beat him with a jab the entire time. Um, you know, Aldo sticking around at 135 obviously can compete with a lot of people, at least right now, at least the version that we saw Saturday. But at his age, um, without that that level of potency uh, to to his offense, without the muscle mass and stuff, it just may not be the move for him. 
it just may not. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I know we're, we're going to talk about Frankie Edgar uh, going to Bantamweight or at least planning to go to Bantamweight. I'm sure Frankie will be very, very happy to see Aldo decide to go back to 145. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't be, right? <laughs> if you're in yeah. his weight class, it's like, oh, th- thank goodness. I mean, it's already bad enough. And then he's going to show up to the party. Um, yeah, he's like, he's like, bro, we did this twice already. Come on now. Let, <laughs> let, let me have something. It's like, man, I'm trying to get away from you guys. No, <laughs> but um, uh, I will say this, uh, Jose, although like you said, um, you know, at his age and all that, for me, it's about if the title shot isn't there, is all of this worth it? I mean, on paper, if I'm Jose Aldo, I say no. But there's a reason I talk and he fights. It's in him and whatever motivates him at this stage. Uh, I will say this, uh, Henry Cejudo was disappointed in the judges' call. Henry Cejudo wanted a Jose Aldo fight. Jose Aldo beating Marlon would have made it a no-brainer at a time when Henry has called out everybody under the sun who can make him a lot of money. Um, so I think he was disappointed. I think he's still trying to force the issue, do a little bit of Yol Romero you know, in the division. He's coming off a loss, but I don't care. I want the money fight. Just do it. Um, I appreciate his uh, chutzpah in that endeavor. That being said, I feel like now, ironically, the pressure's now on Frankie Edgar. You beat the Korean Zombie. That's now a big name coming off a win, even if it's at 145, to fight Henry Cejudo. So in my opinion, I think that that now has uh, more importance. If you're Peter Yan, look, beautiful fight over Uriah Faber. Uriah was a warrior, but Peter Yan... He kind of reminded you why he was not going to be denied in his pursuit of the belt. He's still not as big as Frankie Edgar, especially if Frankie beats the Korean Zombie. So I think at Bantamweight now, it comes down to if Frankie Edgar wins. And then once again, what's the timing look like for Henry Cejudo? Do you have anything on that? Um, you know what? I didn't even think about the possibility of Frankie moving into 135 on a title shot with the win over Korean Zombie. And that that actually plays right into this, the, this, like if Frankie wants to state, wants to still do the Bantamweight thing, like, yeah, that would, that's, I mean, that's how he got ushered into 145. They, they gave him a title shot. And he said he so, wants to do it. Yeah, he wants to do it. Now, I, I will, I, I definitely do need to say something about the pure ridiculousness of the, this whole coming off of a loss and getting a title shot anyway thing. I'm not saying that Marlon Marais um, belongs in a title fight against Henry Cejudo, considering the way that went the first time and it was so recent. But I mean, seriously, we have we have Alchemy Sterling and, and Peter Yan right there. Like, come on now. So we're gonna pass over those guys who both of them have, in my eyes, earned a title shot, and we're gonna go with the guy who just lost, albeit a very close decision, and I scored it for Aldo, but still, so L on the record. Um, a, a defensible L on the record. Come on now. Like this wasn't, it wasn't like um, Ross Pearson and Diego Sanchez. It wasn't just a clear cut <laughs> robbery like that. This was a very competitive fight that was close. Aldo came out on, on the short end, not title shot worthy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, and look, Aldo fights again at 135. I can't believe I'm saying that. Looks great. Maybe we can have this conversation again, but off of this one, I mean, yeah, Aljamain, Peter, if Frankie wins, I mean, I'm not going to deny the man's uh, name value and he's an elite level talent, but 
Yeah, and, and look, I get it. Henry wanted the money fight. It just didn't happen. You know, I mean, that's how these matchups play out. That's kind of what happens. Uriah Faber, he probably had high hopes for also. Didn't happen. So that's just where he's at. I understand he's trying to get paid. And, you know, we all know everything else. Everyone, you know, when you accomplish a lot, you want to, you hope that it sets you up. And plenty of fighters talk about it doesn't always work out that way, even when you win the belts and you've defended a few times, etc., etc. So I get where he's coming from, but the cards fell where they did, and it does not end with a Jose Aldo fight that makes sense for Henry Cejudo, plain and simple. I totally agreed. Yeah. And look, I mean, fun night, fun card. You had Matt Brown refusing to be uh, triangled at his age, apparently. You had a lot of other stuff going on on the undercard. Ben Askren's son, Chase Hooper, um, doing work. A lot of good stuff to digest. So it was definitely a fun night of MMA. A great way, if you're not tuning in to the South Korea card at 5 a.m., to end your year in UFC. I will say that. It made for a lot of fun television. Yeah, and, and I hear Chase Cooper's parents took him out to Chuck E. Cheese after his win to celebrate. So that's great news for the young man. I hope he got extra tokens. He deserved <laughs> it. You know, turn, it, that, it, turn the win bonus into tokens. Hang out with the mouse. You, de- you deserve it, young man. And you got to go see the concert with the automated robots. Um, <laughs> and, 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 then, and then you got to play that game with the, the, the dirt bikes. And you can, like, shoot in the crowd and everybody starts flying <laughs> up in the air. Very, very fun stuff. Uh, Chase Hooper had a great time at Chuck E. Cheese. For sure. I hope he got his M&Ms, too. I will say that. Hey, those did sound bomb, if I'm I'm being honest. Yeah, I I do like that. (laughs) Let's talk about some MMA news. We had a pair of fights announced for UFC Columbus. I think the big one that a lot of people expected. I, for one, didn't think it happened this quick, but I like it. Francis Ngannou against Jarzinho Rosenstrike at UFC Columbus on March 28th. And Ganu's coming off a ridiculous 2019, knocking out Curtis Blades, Cain Velasquez, and Junior Dos Santos all in the first round. Rosenstrike, breakthrough fighter of the year, I think, uh, by a landslide, coming off the knockout over Alistair Overeem at the, you know, at the buzzer, pretty much. Um, fun fight. Jarzinho has so much experience kickboxing, and obviously his knockout power translates to MMA. But it's Francis Ngannou. I don't care who you are. That is a tough fight for anybody. What are your thoughts, man? Um, yeah, this is, if anything, this fight tells me that DC versus Stipe 3 is the one that the UFC is going to go toward. Like, we've heard rumblings about this for a little while, but I think this confirms it because Francis Ngannou has been kind of like the, 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 um, the odd man out while the heavyweight division has had a lot of movement, and he's been very vocal about it. We know he um, was very openly campaigning to replace Junior Dos Santos against Alexander Vol- um, not Alex Vol- Volkov, not Alex Volkov, yeah. Alex Volkov, yes, the other the other V, Alex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so um, I think I, I think now this is a clear sign that the UFC has definite plans for Daniel Cormier versus Steve Miocic uh, because. Um, Francis was probably the, the should have been the clear cut number one contender outside of, you know, the the oddball and unwelcome appearance of Brock Lesnar. You know, it was <laughs> it seemed to be the seemed to be the, the direction that the UFC probably would have gone in. Um, I do love this matchup. I really, really love this matchup. These guys um, are very different from a technical standpoint, but very similar just 
um, if you're standing at a distance. Very, very similar guys. Um, they hit with a tremendous amount of power. They're known for their striking, and they're they're fearless dudes who who don't mind going in there and, and slugging it out. So I am all for this fight. And it's also good to see a high-level matchup returning to Columbus, Ohio, which used to be a haven for, for MMA. It used to be a, 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 cons- um, a, a frequent destination for, for the UFC uh, around the, the Arnold Fitness Expo. So it was good that they're, you know, turning their attention back on a market that was very useful to the UFC in the past. No, I'm with you there. And I think that um, especially when you talk about the Stipe effect, you got to think they're going to bring him out. You know, Ohio guy, uh, Cody Garbrandt, who we're going to talk about, Ohio. Um, the matchup sells itself in terms of, you know, popcorn and TV. It's going to be exciting no matter which way it goes, how long it lasts. So it makes a ton of sense. Um uh, I want a quick side note. My brain also autocompletes Volkanovsky from Volkov, which, yeah. you know, that, and I, I've seen, a, I think it happened to, what's his name, Paul Felder at the UFC Russia broadcast, so we're not alone. It's all, it's all good. But yeah, yeah I mean, all, um, this one, yeah, I think uh, it just makes sense, and Francis Ngannou said it himself on Helwani's show, he said, I don't even care about waiting for a title shot anymore and that I, I should and blah, blah, blah. Like, I fought in June. It's going to be who knows when. Give me a fight. I don't even care about place in line, etc. I like that attitude, especially under circumstances. Um, you're going to have to fight these guys anyway. I think that this is a great move to take them out early and just make it, you know, get out of your own way a little bit. You're going to fight them sooner or later at the rate he's going. So I like the fight stylistically. Um, it ends by knockout. I don't know who, I don't know when, I don't know why. I just know it's going to, and I don't think anyone is going to disagree with that on this one. Are you? No, uh, not, not at all. Like I'm, I, I saw, I'm trying to remember who it was that tweeted this. I, off the top of my head, I want to say it was Jose Young's, um, that, that said, please don't be, um, like Ngannou Lewis. Please don't be like Ngannou Lewis. And, and that's and, and that's the last time I can think of a fight where we went in it's just so absolutely positively certain that there was no way that the judges would even come into the factor at all. And then it ends up being probably the most boring fight of the year. Um, so, so that is, I mean, that's a possibility, man. We're talking about heavyweights, and it's a five-round main event. So if someone isn't out of there by by the middle of round two, we might be in for total garbage. So let's, let's try to temper our expectations. So we don't tempt the, the uh, wit and the, the cruelty of the MMA gods. Anthony, we don't believe in angering MMA gods on MMA daily. I'll have, you know, I light a candle with Brian Ortega Jesus on it every fight night, just to (laughs) counter the effects. Um, Sacrifice a bottle of Modelo also. (laughs) I did pour a Johnny Walker out for Johnny Walker when he got knocked out. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But no, we don't mess with certain things. Um, We just got over banning. We weren't going to talk about a certain lightweight title fight in April because we feel like that's exactly how you keep jinxing it. But um, no, you got to believe. Uh, Going back to Nganu Lewis, um, I still remember this one. And I wish it's like that meme that you know you should have saved because you're going to laugh forever, and then it's lost forever. They had, like, the Photoshop of, um, you know how they always do the move of the fight, 
or they used to do it a, a lot yeah. more. And um, they're showing in Ganu Lewis, and the move of the fight is Herb Dean saying, "Hey, you guys need to engage." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember I was dying for days after that, just thinking about it. It was hilarious. <laughs> so you know, don't jinx it. I, I, I we're, it's not gonna happen twice. Our luck isn't that bad. Uh, uh, I know what's happened four times somewhere else. Don't say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't, don't tempt them, man. They, they're listening. Don't make me have to get a Jorge Masvidal Jesus candle too, man. And they, and they are petty. They are pettier than Scott Coker on Twitter. So don't, <laughs> don't do it, man. No, no, it's gonna be fine, guys. Here, knock on wood. We'll be fine. Um, the night's main. Oh, sorry, co-main event. Cody Garbrandt returning to action after the fight in March with Pedro Munoz that a lot of people, you know, have talked about, criticized him for. The former champ is back from injury. He's taken on perennial contender Rafael Asuncao. I think that it's a great fight to get Cody back in the conversation. I admire the fact that he's taken on such a tough guy after, you know, you could argue he really needs to get back on track. Um, but before we talk about it, Suddenly, there's this beef. It's kind of like Rocco and Apolly and Ivan Drago with Peter Yan and Uriah Faber and Cody backstage. I mean, what did you make of all that? I, I mean, Cody Garbrandt is, um, he's definitely not known as the most level-headed person in mixed martial arts. Uh, and he's, he's also known for his fierce loyalty uh, toward Uriah Faber and Team Alpha Male. So it does make sense that that he takes offense to whatever went on um, besides the fight itself between Jan and, and Faber. And, and, and he turned into, you know, Cody Garbrandt that we all know and love. Cody, no love. So, yeah, no love. <laughs> yeah, no love himself. So that doesn't shock me one bit that that happened. But I don't think it's going to mean anything as far as, as, as far as fights are concerned. Cody Garbrandt has no reason being in the same cage as Peter Jan right now. And that's, I mean, and quite frankly, like, I can I see a case for him not belonging in there with a sun cell right now. Like this dude got knocked out viciously three times in a row. If if there's ever the the uh, the need for a tune up fight in MMA, it's probably this case right here. This is not a guy who who needs to be thrown in with the wolves just now. And I do like the fact that him and his team decided it was best that he just sit down for a while and just not be in the cage because. I mean, you know, he's a young dude. He's got a bright future ahead of him and he's got a family like preserve his brain, preserve his his his, his you know, his thinking ability, his his IQ, his 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 quality of life. Um, so in, instead of just tossing him out there, don't to, double to down on it. Like, don't yeah. double, like uh, uh, exactly. I'll say this. Aaron Pico kind of doubled down when he took the uh, Borix fight in Bellator and it, it, I felt exactly similar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we, so I mean, with with Cody, we we've tripled down on it already. <laughs> you know, they, they they um instead of he gets knocked out in the second round against Dillashaw, so hey, the logical thing to do is put him up there again, and he gets knocked out in the first round. And the logical thing to do after that is put him in there against someone like Pedro Munoz, who has knockout power. So it just that, that just doesn't seem too bright. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give him credit. Uh, he did take, you know, I think it was August to March. That's a considerable bit of time off for the code, for the second TJ fight. But I'm with you. I, I, after the knockout to Munoz, um, sit down, 
let the body do what it needs to get in the gym work on it you're a young guy you've got a lot of stuff you could develop and make yourself a bigger threat later um i like it I, i'm with you there on the time off the thing with Sun Sao, he's not known for being a home run hitter i think that uh stylistically there are a lot of uh more problems for him than as opposed to coming at garbrandt i think it honestly comes down to are we gonna see the guy who fought Dominic Cruz are we going to see the guy you know who was able to use his footwork and use his boxing you know intelligently we know he's got power we know he's a great athlete we know he could go five rounds um etc etc I think though it comes down to what kind of fighter stylistically are we going to see because it felt like too many times in these last few fights he just kind of fell in love with using his power which I get it he has a lot of it why not but it didn't pay off I would like to see him use a little more wrestling, use a little more boxing, probably not throw too many kicks and give Hassan Saad the risk of the takedown. Um, tough fight, but a winnable fight for a guy who we know what he could do in Cody Garbrandt. Do you have any thoughts on it, on the matchup? I, 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 yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it is a winnable fight uh, for, for Cody Garbrandt if he, if he plays it right, and that's a big if. You know, it is good that he has um, – I know he's still part of Team Alpha Male – but he's uh, supplemented his training there with um, – I think he's with Mark Henry now also, yep. who's, who's one of the, the most underrated striking coaches in MMA. And, and you know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you were there with me at um, – was it 235 or 239 that we were at together? 239, Vegas. Yeah. Okay, so 235 is when Cody got knocked out by Pedro Munoz, if I'm remembering that correctly. And, yep. and seeing – there was one sequence – where um, Munoz, um, Munoz tagged him pretty good, and you know Cody just turned into the rage monster, and he's and he's swinging wild. But then there was this one moment he had his his back against the fence, and he had some very sophisticated defense, uh, ducking and slipping out of there, and he put on some beautiful footwork, and he cut an angle and he's to the outside. But then it, a, instead of following uh, continued sophisticated boxing like that. He decided that was a perfect time to bite down on his mouth guard and just start swinging wildly again. And he got knocked out seconds later. Um, you know, under Mark Henry, I think we're going to see uh, a more polished version of Cody that, that can rein in those emotions when he gets hit, not turn into the rage monster and, and keep disciplined. And that's the main thing. If, if Cody is disciplined in there, he should handle the sun style, I think, relatively easily. No, I'm with you there, and obviously it comes down to what kind of work has he done, you know, in his off season, so to speak. And you know, the nice thing is it's coming up soon, Anthony. You know, just uh, watch a little bit of Fight Pass, a little ESPN Plus. We'll be there shortly. It's no worries. Oh yeah, um, beautiful thing. <laughs> let's talk about it. There are two fight nights. It is um well technically three. It, you got Bellator with a double header, but we're gonna start with UFC on Saturday morning. I believe it starts 5 a.m. The main card on the West Coast for UFC Busan from South Korea. Uh, we've teased it already. Frankie Edgar versus the Korean Zombie. Um, Anthony, for this one, uh, Zombie has the physicality. Zombie's got a great gas tank, underrated jujitsu, but I always say Frankie Edgar's kind of like your favorite flavor ice cream. You know what he's going to get, and he has never let you down in his, what he'll do every fight. And I see that happening even though he's stepped up on a couple weeks' notice. Um, I think the real X Factor does his cardio, Edgar, 
Does his cardio hold up four or five rounds like it typically does? That could be interesting because Zombie is a very difficult guy to put away. But I think it really comes down to getting in and out with footwork for Edgar compared to Zombie trying to use his physicality to walk him down. What about you? I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment there. Um, I, I don't think Frankie's cardio is going to be an issue at all. It, it never is an issue. Uh, he's a guy who does maintain good shape outside of fight camps as well. So it's not like he's ballooning up to you know to 180 pounds and then he's gonna then, then he's gonna spend all camp trying to get into shape. He's always in shape. And then on top of that, he was focused on a bantamweight fight that's supposed to happen next month against uh, Corey Sanhagen. And and from what I understand, is still scheduled right now, despite him fighting in this main event on, on Saturday morning. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm sure Frankie is is already, you know, had himself in tip top shape, ready to trim down and tailoring his diet already ready to trim down. So five rounds at 145, I don't think it's going to be an issue for him. But what is going to be an issue is the fact that Korean Zombie technically makes great improvements every time we see him. Every time we see Korean Zombie, he is a, a, a new and improved version of himself. He is durable as all hell. Um, I, I, would, I would venture to say he's more durable than the ever-durable Frankie Edgar. He is the bigger person, as, as you alluded to uh, before. His striking game is gorgeously sophisticated which a lot of people just don't appreciate simply because he, he will typically, you know, find himself in some sort of firefights. But that man is very sophisticated on the feet. I think Frankie is going to have, uh, have his hands full. Um, yeah, I, I, I see Zombie winning this one, and I think it's going to be pretty clear-cut as well. Uh, also, not for nothing, Zombie is literally fighting at home in South Korea. He is going to be the hero on a Saturday morning over there. Um, uh, it's about I was, damn time. Yeah, right. Uh, I also say this, um, you know, like, Zombie is fun television. I talked to Justin Gaethje about him, and Justin Gaethje thinks Zombie is exciting and loves watching him. That says about everything yeah. you need to, that says about everything you need to know about how fun Zombie is to watch as a fighter, so. But, um, look, I mean, Frankie Edgar is no joke. Frankie Edgar at 50 is gonna be no joke, if you ask me, so. He's just kind of that guy, and I, you know, we love him for it. The Bantamweight thing, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't care how you win. I don't see you walking out of Korea without taking some heavy damage that takes you out of that fight. But um, it, it is a tough fight for both men. But uh, once again, I think that Zombie, under these circumstances, is just a little too much for Frankie Edgar. And um, I think he's going to, you know, just a little bit better in the right spots. Maybe finds a finish. But either way, I think he's just going to stay ahead of Frankie Edgar. And um, unanimous decision. Frankie Edgar is a tough guy to put away for a reason. But I see him be, I see Zombie being victorious at home. Yeah, I, yeah Zomb Zombie gets the win. I'm going to say he gets the finish, though. Oh, okay. Where, what about what time? What does the Mystic Anthony crystal ball tell you that he'll get the stop? I say, I say fourth round TKO. Ooh. I, I, yeah, I be, because he's, the thing about Zombie, he's just so relentless once he smells blood. He, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he's going to have, and granted, I'm sure he respects Frankie Edgar uh, for, for being one of the greatest lighter weight fighters of all time. I'm sure he respects his legacy and him as a, as a person. At least my interactions with Frankie he seems like a cool guy. Um, besides the anti-vaxxer thing, but that's another story. Um, 
<laughs> I, I do I do think that that zombie is going to um, just not afford uh, Frankie the same breathing room that Holloway did. I, I, I see him I see him being ultra aggressive and especially once he senses that Frankie's hurt. I don't think he lets up. Uh, and then on top of that, in those striking exchanges, you know, Frankie is known um, you know, in addition to being a fantastic wrestler, he is known uh, for, for having some crisp boxing, also under the tutelage of Mark Henry. Uh, Zombie, you know, I think we've seen him have these 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 like great pull counters. We've seen him uh, show exquisite defense when he's not just just standing there in front of you in, in a phone booth and, and just swinging wildly. Um, I, yeah, I, I think he's going to catch Frankie with some really clean boxing. It's gonna send him, send him packing. Um, I think he he finishes him with some follow up strikes on the ground. I just want to appreciate your pun that the zombie is relentless when he smells blood. I love that. Yes. I, uh, I did, that was not lost on me. Um, it I think clever if I said if he smelled brains. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that would have been hilarious. Um, I hear those sirens. They're clearly coming to get you because you dared to say that Ngannou versus Rosenstrike could be boring. That is clearly a crime, Anthony. No, uh, but um, uh, I'm with you. I, you know, in all seriousness, uh, I like that you're giving Ed- Edgar some time because, you know, I, I got to give him credit. Uh, Edgar doesn't go away either. And even though I don't have him winning, it doesn't mean that uh, Zombie is just going to have a walkthrough, in my opinion. I think that this is a step up in competition for a reason. But, um, yeah, so we are in accordance. We do have the Korean Zombie holding court against Frankie Edgar. Um, the doubleheader in Hawaii, that one's going to be the big one for the weekend. Um, I love just how much they enjoy getting just campy about it. You got the commentators in their Hawaiian shirts. They're clearly having a good time. They're clearly adopting the mentality, which I can appreciate. Um, but the big fight that everyone's going to be looking at is Alima McFarlane versus Kate Jackson. Can the Queen of Hawaii just kind of continue her run? Can she just kind of keep this this train going? Um, Anthony, I think the big one, people may not realize that Kate Jackson has only lost to some very tough fighters. Uh, Joanna, Tatiana Suarez, former title challenger Valerie Letourneau. That being said, this fight stylistically, I feel, really plays to Alima. I think that uh, Kate's biggest strength is getting it to the ground. I think that that plays well because Alima is a great grappler, great jiu-jitsu. She's clearly working on her boxing and developing her striking. It's got the potential to be a fun fight because I think that they do a lot of similar things. But I think at the end of the day, stylistically, it just favors Alima. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, once again 100% with you on that one. Uh, Alima is, I think she's going to be sort of liberated to to showcase her striking in this one because while Kate Jackson is is better suited trying to get you down to to the to the floor, when you're as good on the ground as as Alima, you're okay with that. Like you're okay with those grappling exchanges, so there won't be the hesitation in her step when she when she goes to throw hands. It's just going to be her throwing hands. And I, I think in that department, I think she does Kate Jackson. I, I, I see I see Jackson trying to get some of those takedowns, eating up shots along the way. And then when the fight is just forced to be on, on, on the feet, then Alima can kind of do what she wants. Because even then, if she if she shows herself to be the better striker and 
frustrate uh, Kate with the, you know, with the failed takedown attempts, maybe it's time for her to put on her own takedowns and then take the fight to the floor and just finish it however she decides. Um, Bellator is particularly known for kind of setup fights. And I don't want to categorize Kate Jackson as a setup fight, but I don't think you go to Hawaii with this, this double card and you put uh, Alima Lane McFarlane, who is the, the, the pride of Hawaii out, outside of Max Holloway. Um, and, and now the only like Hawaiian champion in a major promotion, now that Holloway has been dethroned. I, I don't think you, you put her in a spot where she does lose in Hawaii. I, I think this is a fight for her to win. Uh, and, and while Jackson is a formidable adversary, it's, I don't think it's going to be enough. Yeah, I think it just gets made more interesting. I, I'm with you there. Um, uh, I, I think that just because I think a lot of people expected it maybe to be Juliana Velasquez, who fights on the same card with Bruna Ellen, that girl, um, she doesn't, you know, she's not the big social media personality. She kind of lets her skills do the talking. But um, I feel like she's that woman, just physicality brings it. Um, and even, you know, a lot of people talked about it. They expected that fight to be next. Alima told me she expected that fight to be next. Bellator goes with Kate Jackson. Now it's made more interesting because you have Juliana with the opportunity to kind of call her shot in Hawaii and kind of be that monster in the wings. This is obviously also added to Liz Carmooch. I would not be surprised if the... The ink is starting to dry and she's there with the Lima and Scott Coker brings her into the cage and 2020, all that, you know, the confetti falls and you got the friends going to turn opponents. I can see all that happening uh, if we're being honest. So I think that, it, you know, this is a good fight for Lima, but I think now 2020, if you are Lima McFarland, the big fights now happen. The Christina Williams, Juliana Velasquez, Bruna Ellen, all these contenders that have been working their way up toward you, I think they're there. And I don't think, you know, no disrespect, but I think that Vita got a little bit of the benefit. Kate is getting a little bit of the benefit. Now it's these girls on the win streaks and have been doing work that are next for Lima McFarland. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't have said that better myself. Um, yeah, this uh, 2020 should be a lot more challenging for McFarland, but we're still in 2019 and she gets the win. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to just leave it at that. You closed the show perfectly. Anthony, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate uh, your company. I appreciate your opinions. Always honest, always entertaining. Bro, where can fans find you for more of these nuggets of gold on social media? Uh, Well, if you want to be disappointed by my hot takes, uh, you can follow (laughs) me on Twitter at AntWalkerMMA. Um, that's also my Instagram handle. I don't post a lot on Instagram, but follow me anyway, just in case I do. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'll post a cool Thanos meme uh, when I find one. So there's that. There's no disappointment, bro. And guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. Natalie, once again, congratulations. And guys, we will have a show next week. You know, even if it's just a recap and talk a little bit of looking ahead to Ryzen, Bellator, and PFL. Not going to be as long of a show with the holidays, but we will set you up for the big show next week before the year closes out. Anthony, thank you for joining me once again, and guys, we'll see you next week.